Drive to the pass. Hold it. Defense. Number 33. Five-yard penalty. Automatic. First down. Greetings and welcome to the Roger Goodgrove's officiating uh, podcast. I'm Sukdeep Puni and we have the main man, Roger, with us today. How are you doing, Roger? I'm doing very well. Getting ready for Christmas. Fantastic. And thank you again, Roger, for going solo last week. You did a tremendous job. Um, I was unfortunately a bit under the weather. Um, nothing to worry about. On the men now, just about, um, just like like yourself, really, Roger, just looking forward to Christmas, however small that may be. Um, you got. Yeah. What are your plans for the big day? I've got my kids coming to my house. Oh, brilliant! So uh, you've got obviously the one day now, which is a shame. Yeah, but, exactly. You know, just the one day. It's better than nothing. Yeah, same. I've got my parents coming here, um, so we'll be be an interesting day. Uh, kids are. It's all about the kids, though, aren't they? They're they're looking forward to it. Yeah, so, mine are older though, so it's a it's a more uh, uh, eat and drink celebration. Yeah. Exactly. But big kids, little kids, they all love Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So, especially, especially this time. I've got my Christmas jumper on now at the moment as well. So, you know, definitely looking forward to it. But let's talk about week 15. Um, yeah. Only a few to go. Only a few to go. A couple of more to go. And we're playoff time. Uh, some interesting results this week. A lot of, lot of talking points um, in the games, but we're going to crack on with the, the first game of last week, which was the Thursday night football game between uh, the uh, LA Chargers and the Oakland Raiders. So this was the play that happened in overtime, uh, which, which involved uh, Herbert fumbling the ball and a recovery made by the Chargers. However, uh, this is probably a rule that we don't see too many times, but, um, you, you know, come into play, but, on this occasion, it did. So do you want to talk us through this? Uh, yeah, sure. Roger? So what we have is normally referred to as the fourth down fumble rule. Um, the reason it came into being was actually due to the two teams that actually were in action on Thursday night. Um, in a game that mattered, there was a fumble forward by the, op- uh, by the offence that ended up Uh, in the end zone with one of his own teammates falling on it. Now, the fumble forward was called the holy roller play. And uh, what happened was that the quarterback for the team deliberately fumbled the ball forward. Now, obviously, if you're going, let's, on fourth down, typically this happens. You're going fourth down, you're trying to get to the line to gain. You're going to be short. You think, well, this is going to end badly for me. I'm going to give the ball over to the opposition. I might as well just make a, a a vain attempt at fumbling it forward deliberately to get it past the line to gain. And if either I get it or my teammate get it, then potentially I've got a first down. Yeah, And that's the reason why the rule was brought in. Um, I say it's a fourth down fumble rule because that's the time you see it more often than anything else. Um, any fourth down, the person fumbling the ball can be the only person to advance the ball. 
It doesn't mean to say that your team can't fall on it, and it doesn't mean to say that I can't pick it up and run with it if I fumbled it, but it does mean that I can't deliberately gain an advance by fumbling it forward with the intent of somebody else getting hold of it on my team. Yeah. Now, in the NFL, this also applies to the final two minutes of half on any play and also the final two minutes of overturn on any play. So what we had on this particular play was the second down. So it's not the normal down that this happened on, um, but we had a forward fumble um, by the quarterback trying to get into the end zone. That was his own teammate recovered in the end zone. What happens on the play is that the ball gets taken back to the spot at which it was lost. So there is no advance from the point at which it was fumbled. So it came back, third down, and they happened to score. It's very rare to see the fourth down fumble rule, uh, holy roller type play on a a play that matters with a potential scoring implication. It actually happened on a fourth down fumble yesterday in the Steelers game. They actually uh, had a fumble that was brought back um, under the normal circumstances, but it happened more in the Steelers' own uh, half of the field. So therefore, it's not really noticeable as much. But obviously, this one, very close to the end zone, it's very noticeable. And it was well officiated by the team. Um, The the commentators on the the day, typical of commentators... (laughs) looked at the, the, the officials all checking in with each other and, and implied that there was some confusion that they didn't know what was happening. On the contrary, they knew exactly what was happening and they were all checking in to make sure they knew that this was a fumble it was a really quick decision, was. wasn't it? It was a really quick decision. It was yeah, snap. exactly. Like, they, they needed yeah. to make sure they knew a, a few key facts. Who fumbled the ball? Who recovered the ball? Where was the ball fumbled? That those yeah. are the key things they need to get together, because the people in the end zone knew who recovered the ball, but if they didn't know that it was a fumble, the reason the ball got there, obviously the ruling would be very different. So they yeah. need to establish those facts. So they all came in, got together, agreed that it was a fumble, agreed that the fumbling player was the quarterback, agreed that the recovering player wasn't the quarterback, which is the big important part and therefore as a result fourth down fumble rule applies comes back to the spot of the fumble they're well well administered by the team on the on the field yeah no i thought so as well i was quite impressed with uh seeing how quickly um i, I didn't even have time to think about it until the, the, the announcement was already made and i was like okay that's what they're going with you know so you're, you're absolutely right commentators are i mean i mean every call there needs to be some sort of communication with the officials just to understand everyone's on the same wavelength. So yeah. I think, yeah, grossly unfair for the way uh, the way they handle that. But it's not the first time, you know, and it won't be the last time, will it, we, we have these commentators making such comments. <laughs> Unfortunately, and, uh, yeah. people assume the commentators know what they're talking about. But when it comes to the rules, they're not very yeah. good. They're okay on basic stuff. Unfortunately, yeah. well, they're not very good on the complex stuff. They can't even get players' names right half the time. I mean, they're worse than Stuart, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hi, Stuart. Um, anyway, <laughs> the next uh, the next game. Speaking of fumbles, uh, this one actually crushed my son and his fantasy football game. So uh, I don't know if Kira, Kira, hopefully he's listening from across the room. But uh, the uh, Miami Dolphins um, fumble return for a touchdown. Yeah, he's nodding his head. <laughs> he just said disallowed. So uh, 
talk us through uh, why it was disallowed. Okay. Do you want to so, quickly hear this? Uh, a few sorry. things to consider on the play. So firstly, was it a fumble? So that obviously needs to be considered. It was ruled on the field correctly as a fumble. Um, Cam lost the ball before he, uh, he went down. Then the next question is obviously, is the person recovering the ball in bounds when they recovered it? Uh, had they stepped out of bounds first and could they have re-established before they actually recover the ball? And then, um, obviously, did they, as part of the run into the end zone, touch the out-of-bounds line and therefore should it be pulled back for those reasons? So quite a few things to review on the play. Um, one of the, uh, again, rules that commentators don't particularly understand came into play. And then that was that whilst the ball was loose, that loose ball touched a player who was out of bounds. And ruling on the field is therefore that the play make uh, the, sorry the the player makes the ball out of bounds. Also, um, you often see this used more often on a kickoff, and a very smart player might stand out of bounds and reach inbounds to reach the kickoff ball. They're using exactly the same rule here, which is a loose ball in the field of play touched by a player who is out of bounds makes that play out of bounds, and. Uh, they get the uh, the advantage of uh, a kickoff, uh, a, a much sh shorter field to work with on that example. So exactly the same rule being used here and quite quickly ruled here, which was that the other player who didn't recover the ball was standing out of bounds and the ball did touch him. So very well officiated in replay. Yeah, no, that's uh, all well and good. So Kira, I'm afraid the right decision was made and that's why you're not in the fantasy football final. So... Uh... You know, it's a game of game of inches, as they say, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no, but he's uh, he, he was listening to you while uh, while you were discussing that with the headphones on. So I think uh, he's got a bit of an understanding of it, and I'm sure he'll ask me questions afterwards. But the uh, <laughs> the next game we're going to talk about is the uh, game between the Seahawks and the Washington football team. So this was an incident in the second quarter, uh, 12 minutes, 35 seconds. Uh, this was a Seahawks... Um, Touchdown catch um, wasn't one of the main receivers. Number 18, I forgot his name now, but it was ruled out of bounds. So uh, this was, what were your thoughts on this particular? Oh, the interesting thing on this one, this was ruled a touchdown on the field. And while we were talking earlier about how the officials did something well, um, I'm also one for saying when the officials didn't do something well. And this is a particular example of when officials didn't do their job very well. What, we had is a player diving towards the end zone making a catch and I think if I'm giving the officials some leeway the officials concentration was more to do with whether or not the player got the ball over the pylon for the touchdown unfortunately as we know from many uh, previous discussions on the catch process the fact that the ball goes over the pylon in possession of the player doesn't make it a catch and we had mm. the important elements of the catch missing which he had control of the ball but he never got his feet down in bounds so right. the official was looking at the end zone looking at the ball crossing the pylon forgot the crucial thing of whether the player actually got his feet down so replay had to come in and help the official out here and uh, ruled correctly that the player whilst he had possession of the ball never had a yeah. catch because he never had his feet in bounds yeah, I don't know how the official missed that live, to be honest. It did seem like he was 
one foot was never anywhere near. I think they were looking too much at the yeah. pylon. Uh, that yeah. is a pressure play. It happens, yeah. It is a pressure play when have... you're looking at it there. And I think he just yeah. forgot the basics for a second, was too busy looking for the pylon, yeah. forgot the basics of the catch. Yeah, exactly. And that's why we have the the review. So, you know, thankfully, you know, it's the, the right decision will most likely always be made. Yeah. You know, in this and sort talking of, of pylons, we're actually coming to the next one, which is the pylon play as well. Yeah, so this is the Tyreek Kill one in the uh, second quarter as well, uh, between the Saints um, and the Chiefs. So, yeah, talk us through the Tyreek Kill situation. Yeah, the so what we had was Taysom Hill uh, going in to try and score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. He's rushing for the end zone, trying to get the ball over the pylon. Ruling on the field was that he didn't get the ball over the pylon and therefore didn't get the touchdown. Went to replay, and there aren't too many good angles that show this uh, play very well. However, there are enough pieces to be able to put together the fact that, yes, the ball did cross over the pylon. You need to look at, sometimes in replay, you need to make a composite uh, view. Uh, You can establish, um, for example, that a player had the ball in front of him, and therefore you know that if the ball's in front of him and his hips are in one position on the field, the ball's in front of him, therefore located relative to his hips, the ball's going to be that side. Um, you also know that you know there's an end line view that says he got his hips over the pylon, therefore putting two and two together. If you look at where his hips were, then the ball must have been inside that view and therefore must have crossed over the pylon. So there was enough to be able to piece this together um, yeah. And I believe replay should have pieced it together with multiple pieces of information to get the right result. Uh, unfortunately, they let the call on the field stand with not enough evidence to overturn. That's fair enough. And um, in that same game, there was obviously another incident where probably every single player on the touchline and on the field probably had their hands on the head for different reasons. So uh, this was the uh, Saints... Uh, punting uh, towards the uh, Chiefs' end and obviously the Chiefs uh, look to then, you know, return it. Unfortunately, the Chiefs fumble the ball. Um, The ball spills pretty much all over the shot. Um, The Saints think they're going to get in there for the touchdown. Unfortunately, the ball goes out of bounds um, or, you know, as a touchback, shall we say. And that's resulted in... Uh, this and you, you know, well, not an unusual situation. It was quite common, but you know, obviously one of them where all the players had their hands, heads in their hands. So, you want to talk us through this particular one? <laughs> yeah, between... it, it, this is an interesting one because it was actually the signal on the field was incorrect. Um, so let's just take it. So we we have a punt. So the punt returner deep, trying to get the ball out of uh, the deep end zone, runs forward to about the ten yard line, gets tackled and loses the ball at the same time. That ball yeah. squirts back into the end zone. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, <coughs> sorry about that. Okay. Um, so what we have, uh, it's important to go back to some of the lessons that we had previously about who's responsible for the ball being in the end zone. Okay, so the punt returner, when they fumble the ball, the punt returner is the responsible person for that ball being in the end zone. So even though it's knocked yeah. out by the opposition, the impetus and the responsibility for the ball being in the end zone is on the punt returner. 
Yeah. On that ball and secure possession of the ball in the end zone, that will therefore be a touchdown. Okay. However, New Orleans, in their attempt to get the ball, muff the ball, which pushes it out of the end line. Now, some people then looked at that play and said, well, the responsibility for the ball being out the back of the end line was down to the New Orleans player who knocked it deep. However, the New Orleans player muffed the ball, not possessed the ball, and therefore that doesn't add new impetus to the play. The impetus is still with the punt returner at that point. Therefore, because it ended behind the goal line with the responsibility being the punter, that sorry, punt returner. Therefore, it is a yeah. safety, not a touchback. Yeah. Even though it was ruled on the field initially as a touchback, a little bit of confusion there by the official. They need to yeah. brush up on their impetus rules. Yeah, no, I understand. But well, like you said, it's the game's just moving so fast. It's sometimes you know, it's why they obviously collaborate. You know, <laughs> yeah. at this point, to make sure they're making the right decision. But yeah, it was it was a really uh, dodgy play. Uh, from everyone um we're going to move on to discussing uh my books uh after their uh game against the falcons so a couple of incidents here i know one a lot of people uh will be talking about on the internet but before yeah, we go into one that one yeah before we go into that one let's uh talk about this incident between mike evans and aj terrell um and the uh, discussion about offsetting um, sort of penalties. Yeah, interesting on this play. So what we had was two penalties on the defence on the same play. Now, under normal circumstances, two penalties on the defence, the offence can choose which of the two penalties they want to accept. So typically you might have something like an offside and a defensive pass interference, and whichever is the most advantageous for the offence that's the one they would take. They would decline the other penalty and accept the one that gives them the best yardage. There is one exception to that rule, and this comes into play when you have a combination of a defensive pass interference and an unnecessary roughness. Now, the unnecessary roughness in this particular example was a face mask penalty. That pulling of the face mask also prevented the player from having the opportunity to catch the pass. So this is very rare one because you don't see it very often. But those two penalties in combination are both accepted. Very rare. You don't see it in college like that. Uh, in college, uh, yeah. it, it would only be one as well. Talking of other peculiarities of the NFL, uh, sometimes you'll see a penalty, a live ball foul on, on the let's say, the defense, and then a dead ball foul on the defense. Now, in um, college rules, uh, they would be treated differently because a live ball fouls offset each other. A dead ball foul doesn't offset. In the NFL, they actually have slightly different rules and the whole of the play, including the immediate dead ball period, is treated as one. And therefore, if there is a foul by one team on the live ball and another team on the dead ball, they are treated as offsetting fouls. Um, so a couple of rule yeah. peculiarities for the NFL there that uh, you don't see very often. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen this particular play called double foul on, on the DPI and unnecessary roughness. Uh, I, I remember when the official... Um, so I think, did he give an extra 15 yards on yes, top so of Yes, so it'll be the was, spot of I, the yeah, defensive yeah. pass yeah. interference as a spot foul, yeah, plus 15, 15 yards, yards on top of that yeah. for the unnecessary um, roughness. 
I, I remember messaging on our books uh, WhatsApp group, just being like, "It's Christmas already!" <laughs> like, because at that point, I think we were like ten points behind, and we were literally coming back into the game. And I was like, "Come on!" So I thought that was a that was a massive, massive call. Um, and I think one that pretty much uh, sort of gave the books a, a big advantage. But the, the other, yeah, it certainly helped. And speaking of certainly helped, now this one. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to it's hard to defend this particular incident, but the uh, fourth down play um, with a box that was oh, or was it a third down? Fourth yeah, down it was, it's a fourth down play or, or going a, to given, the uh, yeah. line to gain. Yeah, it was given as a first down. Now there was actually another game which had a very similar incident where they brought on the little, uh, you, you know, where it was literally you know inches. But with this one, when you look at the replay, you see that the official. What appears to be sort of moving the ball out of position, or or, or what yeah, so happened let, there? Let's take a few because, things yeah. in relation to the mechanics of a measurement. <laughs> so the first thing is, in an ideal world, the officials will try and avoid a measurement, and the way you do that is you try and make sure that you know exactly where the first down point's going to be. So typically, they will start possession of a ball on a line, not halfway between a line which means that 10 yards forward, wherever that may be, so if you're starting on the 31 at the 41, they know if the ball breaches that line, it's a first down. Because by definition, they must be 10 yards apart. It's easy to see. So that's one of the things that you'll see happening frequently. Even if a play ends at, you know, just a couple of inches short, they will mark it on the line. Now, you might think, well, that's going to give you one team an advantage or a disadvantage. When it's normally at the, you know, uh, opposing teams uh, deep in their own end area, then it doesn't really matter two inches or not. And for the overall uh, benefit of the game, it, it's really an advantage. So that's the first yeah. thing. So the next thing then, that what happens when you have a play that is close, there are two reasons for measurement. One is because you'd want to show people that, this is the case. Now, this should have been clear, in my opinion, that the player never got to the line that they're actually using as the first down marker. He was clearly short in his right. reach. He was about half a yard short. Therefore, under normal circumstances, you'd come in and you'd stop the play there. And you know he hasn't got the first down because he's nowhere near that line. You blow the play dead. You give the ball to the opposition going the other direction. However... In a circumstance where it's close, and I mean close in terms of the end of the game, close in terms of it matters so much, you will come in and measure. Now, very occasionally when you measure, even though you don't expect this to be a first down, when the ball is placed down and the chains are put into position, it ends up being a first down. And that it can be for a variety of reasons. In British football, it can sometimes be because the chains aren't always 10 yards, sometimes because the lines aren't always measured exactly, and sometimes the guy marking the yeah. field has made a bit of a mistake, and uh, therefore it looks like one thing is end up being something else. But however, NFL-wise, it should have been clear this was not a first down. But let's just take the measurement process. Brad Rogers, as the referee, has the responsibility for looking. Now, Bear in mind, when we're looking on TV, there are two things that, that we're doing. One is that it's very rare that a camera is looking directly down the line. Therefore, we have a distinct disadvantage when it comes to seeing whether or not the ball has made the first down yardage according to the stakes. 
the referee is directly looking down there and is indicating whether the ball has breached or not. So he can't, even though the, the ball looks like it should have been half a yard short, if the chains come on the field and they stretch out and it does actually breach the end of the stick, there is a first down. Okay, so that, that's the yeah. mechanics-wise. Now, two things in relation to this play. Some people have said, well, you saw the referee move the ball. Well, yes, they would. What will happen when the end of the play is that the wing officials will come in level with where they think the ball got to. Now, if the ball isn't the position that they are, they will take the ball and they will reposition the ball at the forward progress spot that they are marking. So the fact that the referee yeah. moved the ball is normal and to be expected. This isn't the referee cheating. That's the forward progress spot that they've marked. Therefore, they will move that ball to the forward progress spot. The issue I have on this play yeah. is I think the forward progress spot was rubbish. That's the first one. It was clearly yeah. half a yard short from the, the first down line. And secondly, replay reviewed it. And replay under normal circumstances, it's very difficult on a first down measurement unless you've got something physical, visible to be able to see, such as a line to gain and the fact that it didn't get to that line. And both are clearly visible within the play. It was clear that the ball, when stretched, only just went past the previous line, therefore was nowhere near the next line. I mean, typically, uh, if you put a ball end-to-end, -end, three balls would stretch the gap between one yard. So if he only got it just over the first line, he's still going to be at least a ball short of where he needs to be for the first down attempt. So correctly mechanically on the field went through the process i just have a dispute about where they put the ball down in the first place and secondly that replay couldn't come yeah. in and say there was nowhere that that ball was stretched a further yard there you go folks um to be honest in the grand scheme of things what difference would have made if the falcons had got the first no, time? I, but that's not the point um, at the end of the day yeah. you know they could have had a chance to take the ball and try to get a score in that final one minute yeah. 46 or wherever it was uh, of the game. No, one minute 12 of the game. But they didn't have that opportunity. No, sadly not. Um, and the last uh, one we're going to talk about is the Ryan Tannehill diving touchdown um, between the Titans and the Lions. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. what we have, Tannehill diving for the line to try and get the touchdown. And in order to actually get there, he needs to get the ball over the pylon or the goal line prior to any part of his body put touching out of bounds. And it was a brilliant play. And in terms of the ruling on the field, it was a correct ruling. It was a touchdown. The ball breached the goal line prior to his knee or foot touching out of bounds. But it was so close. I think if it had been ruled... Yeah. Um, on the field the, the other way around. I don't think replay could have overturned it. It was that close. But yeah, one of those perfectly. situations. Where you know, a a great call it. and yeah. a correct call. But, uh, you know, it was one of those where it's a fraction of an inch either way. Exactly. Well, there you have it, folks. That's all the incidents that we're going to talk about for week 15. Now it really is, it really is crunch time now, you know, in terms of, teams trying to get into the playoffs now it's going to be really exciting uh some of the action that we're going to have we've got games on christmas day we've got boxing day games you know we've I got it christmas. all so <laughs> you, you think you'll be 
Yeah. <laughs> you, you think you're going to be catching the game well, on Christmas Day? Well, two games on Christmas Day, isn't it? Are you going to be one fine? early and one late, isn't it? If I remember rightly. Um, is it? Oh, no, okay. The one, uh, the Vikings Saints. I must be getting confused with the Saturday games. Yeah, so the, we've got the books on Saturday. Um, the only thing that I'm worried about is uh, my wife's going to probably want to know who's trying to kill Ian Beale at the same time. So uh, probably have to watch that on the <laughs> iPad there. Sadly, you know, because we've got to, you know, got to get the old soaps in it as well. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, to, to go back to yeah, answer your question, my intent is to get my children so drunk that they will fall asleep on the sofa. I'll be able to watch the, the, the game without actually feeling like I should be paying them some attention. <laughs> By the way, my children are both oh, adults. So they... Before anybody thinks getting your children drunk is a good thing. Yeah, exactly. I, I won't be doing that with my two, so don't worry, folks. We're all responsible adults here. But your boy, um, your children, sorry, into uh, no, NFL unfortunately or... not. No um, despite my uh, uh, avid following, um, when I used to play, my daughter used to come along to the games, but she was uh, at that age too young to to, to know anything about it. She was uh, being dragged along by her parents, yeah. but uh, I'm afraid uh, afraid not. Oh, as, as a father now who's literally looking over his shoulder watching my two boys <laughs> play Madden, I'm quite relieved that they're they're at that stage, and hopefully, long may it continue because you know that's what it's all about, isn't it? You know, sharing, you know. The interest that we have, and especially something like the NFL, it's so um, you know it's it's no longer a niche um, following now. It has you know followers from you know all different ages, cultures, you know, you name it. So that's uh, why we love it, and you know, looking looking forward to watching some action over Christmas. Um, but um, yeah, I, I guess there's nothing much else to say. But wishing all our listeners uh, a very merry Christmas. I'm guessing. Is, yeah, is that absolutely. right, Roger? I'll second that. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thanks very much, guys, for listening and look after yourselves. Take care.